This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Herter and Collins play catch. Noel extends on the defense. Herter dribbles past him, goes inside. Toppin got a piece of it. The follow won't go. Burks the rebound. Knicks have numbers. Alley-oop. Alley-oop to Toppin. Yeah. And it's Bedlam here at the Garden. Burks dishing and swishing, finding Toppin this time. All right. And we are back after uh, a good night's rest and doing whatever we did today. Um, hi, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, John. Uh, excited to be back now that we can actually talk about a, a transaction the Knicks made. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, we're back. We're off and then back again. I, well, well, we'll see what the order of operations is here. Um, okay, so Obi Toppin just got traded um, f- to Indiana, to the Indiana Pacers, which was a rumored destination for him. Going back as far as... Were there some rumors last summer? Was there rumors a year ago? I feel like there probably were. I definitely I before know. the trade deadline. I'm, yeah. No, t- time is a flat circle. Um, we don't know what the second round picks are. Indiana has. I know this is secondary to what everybody really wants to talk about, which is to basically just yell and scream. Um, but Indiana has several uh, second round picks at the door. They also allegedly, although I don't think this has been confirmed, uh, made a trade with the Sacramento Kings in which they sent Duarte there for. I, th- I believe it was originally reported in some circles a second rounder from the Kings, so maybe it's maybe this turns into a three team deal. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see. They're getting two seconds. Yes, if you go on uh, Real GM, you'll see that Indiana has at least one fake second. I think coming from somewhere. I would guess, guess, famous last words, that the Knicks got two pretty good seconds, or at least two seconds that have a chance to be pretty good. Um, that's not what anybody's really interested in right now. What everybody's interested in is the fact that this guy who uh, was Leon Rose's first draft pick here, uh, the the franchise's first draft pick under this regime, and has at the very least in his short time here become a... I don't know. Is is Obi Toppin a beloved Nick? Might be too strong a word. He's a lo- he's people love him. People love watching him, right? He's really well liked, right, Jeremy? I think that's all, all fair to say, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, and a guy that there has been a sneaking suspicion upon the part of many Nick fans over the course of the three years that he's been here. Well, really over the course of the last two years, especially. His first his rookie year is a little rough. Um, that there's more meat on the bone. And that for a variety of reasons, uh, that meat was not getting chewed. And I think it became apparent if not last season, the 21, 22 season that that meat was never going to get chewed off in New York. It certainly became apparent uh, this season and he's going to go to a place now and you, you know, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton, uh, the new, new quarter of a billion dollar man just tweeted about it uh, where he's going to look good. And he's going to, you know, if you're someone out there who still watches SportsCenter or, I mean, you know, whatever, just scrolls through NBA Twitter and uh, you're going to see highlights of Obi Toppin dropping from the rafters at wherever. I don't know what the fuck the Indiana Pacers home arena is called. Is this Bankers? 
Sure. Let's go with yeah. Bankers, Bankers something Field or, or something. Yeah. Bankers Field that. That's that's as good as any. Uh, you know, where it looks like they drop him from the rafters there and it's going to look good and it's going to look fun and we know that because he's paired with a point guard that can really exploit a talent like Obi Toppins. Um, they have the sort of kind of fun young team that's that is is good at that sort of stuff and most importantly, they have a player in Miles Turner and I I don't think Obi's going to start, but like I'm sure he'll get some time with Turner that could space the floor and that could give Obi an open lane. And there's going to be a lot of Nick fans next season who are going to watch what Obi Toppin does in Indiana. And we're going to be like, really? Couldn't fucking unlock that here. Never gave the guy a real chance here. And, you know, they're going to obviously, obviously they're going to blame the coach, but they're also going to blame the front office um, for perhaps, I mean, not maybe maximizing his his uh, value as an asset, either by trading him earlier, either by you know firing Tibbs and getting another coach in here who would play you know Obi and Julius together, or just play Obi if we're talking about last season. And there's gonna be a lot of anger, and I understand that because any way you cut it, when you take a player eighth in the draft, even though it was not considered a particularly strong draft, um, you want more out of it than two second round picks. Especially when, again, the player has shown himself to be um, something better than a complete bust. I mean, we're not talking. I feel bad disparaging this person, but we're like, we're not talking about Franklin Lakina here. Like Obi Toppin got in there and he did some legitimate things. They were like, "Huh, that's an interesting player." You, know, I, you, if you remember my interview with Zach Lowe from this time last year, when I was like, "What interests you about the Knicks next year? What do the Knicks have to do next year? What, what's what's a successful season for the Knicks?" He named two players. He's like, you got to see what you got in those players. And it was R.J. Barrett and Obi Toppin. And then he wrote about Obi Toppin and his five most interesting preseason players list. Like, And sure enough, just scroll Twitter. Everybody's in uniform opinion. Obi, Indiana, Halliburton. It's going to be awesome. I recognize all of that. And I just feel compelled <laughs> to point out, and I have some other thoughts, but I'm going to toss it over to Jeremy because I've been talking long enough already. I feel compelled to point out that the guy that got drafted three spots after Obi Toppin just got handed a quarter of a billion dollars last night. At, at, excuse me, early this morning at midnight. Um, not guaranteed to get that. It's it's up to a quarter of a billion dollars. He has to he has to make uh, meet certain designated rookie criteria. But Indiana gave him the opportunity to potentially earn uh, a quarter of a billion dollars over the next five years. And of course, I'm talking about. Tyrese Halliburton. And that's because Tyrese Halliburton's freaking good. And there are people on here who maybe will have qualms about him and how what his value really is. But they're from day one. Day one. Even when Tyrese Halliburton was on a team with De'Aaron Fox, who, by the way, was like, I mean, he's kind of been like the guard version of Julius Randle over the course of his career. High draft pick. Um, obviously out of Kentucky, showed real talent, all borderline all-star talent over the years, never really established himself as like the guy. And then that's who Halley goes to play with. And it didn't matter that that's who Halliburton went to play with, because again, from day one, everybody around the league looked at Halliburton and was like, oh, okay, that is a, that's a difference-making player. Within a month or two months of his NBA career starting, everybody was like, oh, yeah. He's got like the Pacers or sorry, the Kings are going to have a choice on their hands. Like, should they ship Fox out now and just build around Halbert? It was so obvious and evident to everybody looking, which is why he got paid the contract. He got paid last night. And it's funny 
how really, really good NBA players, regardless of the unfortunate circumstances that they may get be they may get drafted into, find a way to emerge as the stars that they are destined to be. So I just want to say, well, we are divvying up all of the blame and it will be a lot of blame and, it, and everybody deserves all of the blame. I probably have a little bit more of it for the front office than the coach, but of course that's me. Let's just keep in mind the very simple truth of what Obi Toppin is, which is a perfectly nice basketball player. He is a nice basketball player that, again, through maybe not all his fault, because he hasn't gotten the playing time, has averaged seven points a game through his three-year career. He averaged in what was essentially his breakout season from deep, averaged all of 34% from long range. He's a 32% career three-point shooter. He is, at best, a mediocre defender at times, and I think I'm being overly generous. And he is a player that, um, until it's proven otherwise, is strictly a one-position player, and that's a four. And we just saw a guy who has done oodles more at the NBA level in John Collins, real scoring threat, real creation ability, one-on-one, give him the ball, he could give you a bucket, um, really not, much better track record in terms of three-point shooting, same level of defense. Uh, and he, that player makes $25 million get traded as a guy who is not really wanted. He was not a valued player at that contract. So again, I turned to Obi and I'm like, all right, this is what he is. He's fine. He's a nice NBA backup. Maybe he gets a chance in the right situation. Maybe that situation's in the Anna where he's really going to be able to excel as a starter. We'll see, you know, is he ever going to be a guy you could leave on the floor at the end of a, a tight playoff game? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But the original sin, if we're just being honest about it, didn't happen today or a year ago or a year and a half ago or any other opportunity they could have had to trade him. The original sin happened a little bit more than three years ago when they drafted this kid, when they already had Julius Randle in front of him. And they weren't sure that they were going to trade Julius Randle. And they had another player, a couple of players on the board. And I understand there's a Halliburton, Jalen Brunson sliding doors thing that we don't have to talk about. But at the very least, Devin Vassell was sitting right there. You know he's going to get paid a lot of money later this summer? Devin Vassell. Because he's the type of guy you could drop on any roster in the league and he's going to be successful. Um, I just want to keep it in context. That's all. I'll... uh, who the fuck am I kidding? I'm not going to miss Obi Toppin. I'm happy this fucking thing is over with. I'm so tired of this goddamn conversation, which has been going on for three years. I hope Obi does well in Indiana. I wish him the best. Will I miss this conversation or this just undying, you know, thing like crimes against humanity have been comp- committed against this basketball player because he has not been allowed to flourish and thrive. And it, I'm so sick of it. So uh, good for Obi, uh, good for the Knicks for finally ripping the fucking Band-Aid off, albeit several years too late. And uh, with that, Jeremy, I will turn it over to you. I don't really know where to begin. <laughs> you may feel completely uh, differently. No, it's more It's more like there were so many points in, like a, uh, in your 10-minute monologue. I don't like I, I'm trying to parse out where to go. All right. Sorry. No, no, no need to apologize. I'm just trying to. All right. Um, let me let me first start off. This did not catch me by surprise, and the reason it didn't catch me by surprise is because Chris Percy Einan told me yesterday morning that there was a deal in place for Obi Toppin to the Pacers, and that the Knicks were in a precarious position because of how they have deployed Obi and the lack of teams that had significant interest in Obi Toppin. Um, he told me that it was really going to be for a few second round picks, but 
the Knicks were in a bind, as I just mentioned, because the market was simply not there. So let's just take a step back. Um, first and foremost, the draft 2020 Knicks take Obi Toppin. Obviously, did not anticipate Julius Randle being a two time All NBA player in the following three seasons. They play the same position. Obi has proven to what you're saying, John, that the five is really not where he's at. No, he's really much more of a traditional four. And Randall has even evidence. I believe the Paul George trade, uh, Paul George uh, podcast was saying that the five is not where he wants. So you're in this tough spot where you have two players who are really great at one position and they don't work super well. And Tibbs was fair in saying that the math was not quite, the numbers didn't look great when you had Randall and Obi and it's why they used him more sparsely. So it was always going to be one or the other. And the Knicks were going to go with the player who has reached that all NBA peak in this age 26, age 28 season. And Obi Toppin's 25 years old. So it's not that it can't happen for him in any capacity. He certainly can have a great season and he's got Halliburton, which should hopefully unlock him and other abilities. Um, I mean, considering how Obi probably also played a lot of his time with quickly, Love quickly. Halliburton's a better player than Emmanuel quickly is. So you would yep. stand a reason that Halliburton could find uh, Obi Toppin. I would imagine. Some, some might disagree. <laughs> I would imagine Obi starts ahead of, um, of Walker. Walker. <clears throat> uh, just based on his age and the opportunity. Maybe. The, Knicks, the Knicks got to a point where they had to move Obi. And the reason they had to move Obi if they're not moving Randall is because you don't want to fuck with the player's money. And by having Obi in the same role, if he can't expand to play the five, which we have seen three years of it not really happening and Randall's not going to, you know, change his stripes, so to speak, you're, you're stuck. You have to do something here. And the Knicks had Obi in a rookie year where he struggled like a lot of rookies do. It's really hard to be a winning player as a rookie. And then second season, he played very well. He had a great second season. There was a lot of promise there. You know, obviously he was more of a spot up threat the way he, uh, at least that's how they were trying to use him. Uh, and that's not who he is, but there is something to be said of, look, Obi, if you are kind of a, if you are essentially a five in the body of a four, but you're not able to really play the five and you're not spotting up, then there is a role for you that is a little bit more obsolete compared to where it might've been a few years ago. The Knicks basically focused on hey, we know what Obi can do. We're trying to maximize the ability around him because as we've talked about, the Knicks like one through four spot-up shooting and Obi wasn't really doing that. And once again, if he's not playing the five, which he's just not doing and he's not going to do well, then everything kind of shrinks a bit and it's con- it's constricted. It's not Obi's fault that he was drafted eighth overall. Nope. The Knicks picked him eighth overall. He didn't live up to the standard of an eighth overall pick. The Knicks didn't give him the opportunity to really do that. He also did not seize the opportunity because there is, as I've said before, in in terms of like the acting portion of it, there are no small parts, only small actors. This past season, Obi was not able to maximize in the role that he was in. Was the role completely fair to him? It was not. I can tell you this. He does not have the value of the eighth overall overall pick, but he sure as hell does not have the value of two second round picks. And I know... That he's going to go to and he's going to go to Indiana and he's going to find a way to raise his value. And we're going to look back at this in a couple of years. Like, I can't believe the Knicks only got two second round picks for him. And we're going to look at the context in which the Knicks created. And we're going to say, look, it was a tricky situation. Obviously, hindsight's 2020. There were other players Knicks could have drafted with that pick. They didn't do a great job of it. There were other times they could have tried to sell higher on Obi. They didn't do it. His time, his rookie um, scale was 
dwindling. This is the last year. You're extension eligible soon if you're OB. So, uh, you know, I mean, he obviously was not loved by Tibbs either. If he were, he would have no. seen more time. Uh, so that clearly wasn't working out. Uh, the John Collins point, the difference, of course, is John Collins is making $25 million and the Hawks have a serious financial constraint, which is why they were so comfortable moving him for Rudy Gay in a second round pick because money was an object for them and they had to do that. That's very different with Obi. Obi has a $6.8 million salary coming up. And the Knicks said, we would rather take anything and create a traded player exception and create more uh, in terms of luxury tax space. So for example, this move, I know this won't be facilitated until uh, like a week or so from now, but this move, if it were to count right now, would give the Knicks $15.54 million in luxury tax space. As a reminder, the MLE is 12.4 million. So that would give them, if they signed someone like DiVincenzo, uh, that would give them like around $3 million to work with in terms of that space with other moves potentially happening too. We'll see. So, Kind of just to, to bring this all home, the Knicks got terrible value for the eighth overall pick. Yeah. That's where they messed up. There was the infrastructure in which Obi, Obi Toppin could not thrive because they didn't accentuate his value to the point where it needed to be. And Obi was not able to fit into the mold of what the Knicks want. And the smart thing to say is well, you want a coach and you want an organization that does a good enough job of building systems around the players and their best players. And it's, you want them to be more malleable as opposed to does this piece fit into this hole? And the difference here is that and while that is true, I feel like we could say that for every single player who has not been doing so hot saying, why can't the Knicks maximize this player? But then if you do that, you're struggling with the other players and you have to have something that's a little bit more uniform. You want to have the players that fit what you're looking for, but you want there to be some sort of malleability. And if you find players that just simply aren't fitting your structure, that is a problem. You can't, if you try to build something around Obi, then that might impact how you're doing something with another player. And then if you try to focus shifting it with that player, then it may impact another player. So it's all kinetic, but it's just, this was a very unfortunate situation. It was a sunk cost. It's been that way for quite a while. It's a shame that Obi got hurt this past season and just underperformed. Um, the infrastructure for him wasn't great and he didn't get the opportunity and he didn't live up to his own expectations of that being an eighth off row pick, not saying again, it's his fault where he was drafted, but he simply just did not do it. And the Knicks did not provide him with the opportunity to do it. So I'm with you. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be super chats in which case people are very upset. I'm upset at the situation, but I, John, I think I speak for you have just accepted it for so long oh. that it's just like, I'm just, I agree. The bandaid has been ripped off and we can hopefully move on from here. And hopefully the front office learns from this and can take that into account in terms of how they grow. I was trying to interrupt you before because you were disagreeing with yourself on an earlier podcast in which you went through late lottery picks and how really on average, you just kind of you. I remember. I remember the podcast. No, it's true. I just yeah. trying to get a rotation player at you know low end starter, right? And there's an argument that that is what Obi Toppin could be in the NBA: high end rotation player off the bench, low end starter in in the right situation, right? So I actually that's the only big thing I disagree with what you just said, and it's it's going against something that you had said earlier. Like, I, is it a disappointment in terms of the return? 
Yes, but is Obi Toppin the player necessarily a disappointment for the eighth overall pick in a weak draft, by the way, which was noted at the time as a weak draft? Could we at least agree on that? Like, there's an as argument of, there. As of this moment, based on what yeah, we have seen. 100%, right. yes. Moving yeah. forward, okay. I project him to be a better player. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and, but the biggest thing that is where you ended up, and well, I promise we'll get to the Super Chat soon, is where you talked about malleability. And look, the very best players in the league, you, you don't, and I'm talking about there's like five of these guys in the league at any one time. You could drop them on any roster in the league and it's like they'll make it work because they're superstars. Most stars actually are not like that. A lot of stars are like Jalen Brunson where, okay, we have a small guard, but he's talented enough that we're going to figure out everything else around him to make, to accentuate his talents, you know, to some extent, just like the Heat are doing with Jimmy Butler. You know, he's not really a shooter. So what are we going to do? We're going to surround him with shooters. We're going to surround him with a really dynamic center. Most stars, that's the case. You do that for stars. I would argue now more than ever in the NBA, the most important quality, other than like basic skills, being able to hit a basket and stuff, the most important quality, most important skill, if you want to call it a skill, is your malleability, which is why we both think the Knicks are not trading Quentin Grimes if their life depended on it. Because as Fred Katz has said numerous times, you could drop Quentin Grimes in any roster in the league, any rotation, he's going to play 20, 25 minutes. And Obi, unfortunately... And this is why I was drawing the Collins comparison. And I, you're dead, dead right, obviously, about the money. But this is why I think the comp is accurate, because you need to configure some stuff around Obi to accommodate for the fact that he's a straight four, but he also needs the lane to operate, needs an open lane. He needs a dynamic point guard to throw him lobs. He needs a fast-paced team. He needs all these things to succeed and not... Very few players are worth teams bending over backwards to accommodate rotations and rosters around them. They have to be of a certain modicum of of talent and ability. And Obi is not that, which means he's kind of a specialist, which means the value and he's established himself over three years now. Is there people out there who still think, no, you guys are dead wrong. You give Obi Top an opportunity. He could absolutely be an all-star and worth building around and 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 f- configuring your roster around his specific skill set. You know what? If that's out there and we see it from Obi Toppin, I'll be the first. I, I will happily admit that I am dead wrong. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it in the defense. I don't see it in the lack of shooting. And to just, if you're... If you are lacking certain basic qualities, and oh, by the way, Obi Toppin's not a guy you could just throw the ball to and say, here, go get me a bucket. That's not his game. His game is predicated on what he's doing and reading and reacting off of those around him. Who's his point guard? Are they running fast? All that kind of stuff. It's a really tricky fit, um, which, again, is why I'm ultimately not surprised at the return. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I guess the last thing I'll just say, and because you started off with it, and I'm curious if, if I'm maybe I'm missing something. You said how he was deployed. Do you think that there was ever a realistic path to deploy? Pretend Tibbs got fired the day that Obi Toppin was drafted. Another coach comes in who's willing to try stuff, but with this roster, do you ever think that there was a way to deploy Obi in a in, in a way that would have markedly increased his value over the last three years? Probably pairing him with a five who spaces the floor to a with this speed. roster. That, that's that's why I, I added that. Right, caveat. But, but but the Knicks decided that they wanted to focus on the rim protection and they didn't care about the five shooting. So, but, but then it goes back to if you didn't 
believe that Obi could get to the point of being a sufficient shooter, then why did you draft him? They probably felt there is room to grow here and we can turn him into that type of player. I think the other thing as well to consider with the Pacers, uh, Pacers were tied for third in transition points per possession last year. That's going to be huge for someone like Obi who creates advantages in transition, uh, leaks out. He'll get a lot of his points that way. It's also a matter of if you look at the Pacers roster and things can change, but I don't know how much they will. They have Miles Turner. He is their five. Their backup five is Daniel Tice, who is not an option. Or Jackson. And, Isaiah Jackson. He, yes, but he, Isaiah Jackson was getting a lot of DNPs even when the season was coming to an end. He's kind of in the similar vein of, is he a four? Is he a five? Not really sure where to put him. He was playing a lot at the four um, last season, if memory serves. But Miles Turner also, I mean, we've talked about before, last season he missed 20 games. Season before yeah. that, he missed 40. Uh, the season before that, it seems he missed 25 games. So, if they're not going to have someone replacing if Turner's out and it's safe to say that he will miss time, how are the Pacers going to operate at the five? Are they going to use Obi in that position? Are they going to use Walker? Are they going to use dice? Are they, how exactly are they going to make it work? Um, So I'm just very curious about how that is, but listen, we've, 25 minutes in. Yeah. Let's, let's get to the, uh, the super chats and I'm sure we'll have similar questions. Yeah. uh, More stuff will come out organically. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. 
Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no. It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Alex Nieves, uh, thank you for the contribution, although I don't see a comment. Um, Andrew, if Alex made a comment, we'll we'll get that back up there. Uh, Kevin Danishevsky starts us off. Ali Oop to top in is a top five moment of the Knicks era. It, it was a very good moment. I agree mm-hmm. with you. Despite limited time, no supply of fun moments from Obi. Going to miss him. Good luck in Indy. That's well said. I don't disagree with any of that. I, I wholeheartedly embrace all that. Good stuff by you, Kev. Jesse M. Extremely disappointing return. For a former top 10 pick. Yes. In a vacuum, you want to trade a former top, a top 10 pick. You want to get more than two seconds back. I'm certain he'll put up similar numbers to John Collins with starters minutes in Indiana. I'm rooting for it. He never got a real shot here. No disagreement. I, I, I again, though, I, I don't, I don't know that the real shot was ever realistic. Um, the, the pushback, and this is on the Collins thing is that's kind of why I raised the Collins comp is like, let's assume Obi Toppin didn't get drafted by, the Knicks, let's assume he got drafted. Whatever. Here, let's have some fun. Let's assume that the Knicks made a draft day trade and drafted Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton and put them on the same roster and had a similar thing going here between, you know, Hallie and, and Obi Toppin. And Obi, you know, was doing the stuff that we assume he's going to do in Indiana. And then they signed him to a second contract. I bet you that second contract would look a lot like the second contract that John's Col- John Collins signed. And that was why I made the comp because. Those sorts of players, those sorts of players are just not going to have ever, I don't think, unless the league goes in the direction that I'm certainly not foreseeing, that, that sort of value, you know, where where it's really like, oh, my God, this is a this is a, a guy we can shift our organization around for. But, you know, well, let's backtrack for just a second. Do you do or do not feel that Obi had a real shot in New York? No. OK. Because of the circumstances around him. Around him? Or around the, I, I, I'm just trying to. It's really, I mean, it's it's Randall, and okay, it's that's it, yeah. And there's a coach who believes that rim protection is 
more important than just about anything. Yeah. Agreed. I just wanted to <laughs> yeah. dig a little deeper. That was all. Yeah, no, that's it. Um, Elias Awike. Basketball aside, generally good dude to root for. Totally. Um, I'll never forget game two of the Hawk series in person when the garden went wild. Wish him the best. Well, it's, it's good. There's a lot of some positivity so far. I like I that. S- yes. I would like to say as well, we get often very caught up in basketball and, you know, for me, it's the money uh, for you. It's often minutia. I mean, it, it, vice versa as well. We forget a lot of the time that basketball at the end of the day is entertainment. It is pure sport. It is yeah. fun. It is an escape. And that is what Obi Toppin meant in a lot of ways. This was a player who was just fun to be around in terms of just from, from watching him. He was always one of the first guys, if not the first guy to jump up on the bench. Um, he was electric. He was off the bounce. Like, so many things, the joy that seemed to radiate from him was infectious. And we want to get closer to these players because we see so much of what they do and, and and we follow their stories and become invested in their lives and we look up to them in both maybe in emotionally and physically, especially for someone like me, who's a lot shorter than uh, Obi Toppin. Is. So it, it's the sort of thing where when you see acrobatic plays, it's just very endearing and very exciting and exactly what you want your team to continue to be comprised of. But those are the moments and uh, I'm sure there will be more of those in Indiana and I I agree, Elias. I wish them the best 100% as well. And it is a weapon. It's not just fun. It's a weapon. It helps you win basketball games. You know, um, not if you leak out too often and without uh, adhering to your defensive rebounding responsibilities. Uh, but no, it's it was a helpful thing. Um, it was a helpful thing. And, and they will miss that. And they will now, obviously, the obvious next question is, okay, Obi Topping gets moved. Um, how are they replacing him? That if we should have probably said that at the top, there there is something else coming. We don't know what it is, but there's something else coming. Uh, Michael Aaron, do you think it's more likely they get another backup four or stagger RJ Hart at the four when Julius sits, assuming they sign DiVincenzo? Well, uh, the other thing that happened today is Brooke Lopez took a whole big pile of money to go back to Milwaukee, which means Houston, who was rumored to be his other destination, um, now has 20 plus million dollars to spend. They have been rumored as a Dylan Brooks team. Um, Perhaps they're still going to be the Dylan Brooks team, and and that's where they spend that money. Um, But I do find it interesting. DiVincenzo has not yet been announced. If we assume DiVincenzo comes here, um, man, I mean, I don't want to rehab the same conversation we had last night, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't, to me, there's something else on the table and I don't think it's, it certainly doesn't make, it would not make sense to me for them to then sign another player to essentially replace Obi Toppin's minutes. So as of right now, if they signed DiVincenzo, I would say they are either going to do something else that involves another rotation player going out or they will just run with Josh Hart at the four. And even though I think we all agree that that's not what they want to do. And I have a funny feeling that's not what they're going to wind up doing. Agreed. Yeah, we'll see. Um, BNYK98. Now who I root for to come into the game after watching Randall spin into a triple team for his 12th turnover. Well, that's unfair. And it is not factually accurate. That's not... That's just not the Julius Randall that we just saw. It is funny. I get it. And I get... But... 
I don't know. This is now the side of me coming out where it's like, and, and this is the part I think why so many people are going to miss Obi Toppin is because there's so many people for as great as he is, just really don't care for rooting for Julius Randle. And even when he had, even his best games, there are people who are like, great, trade value, higher, send him the hell away. I, Julius Randle's really good. And he's a better player than Obi Toppin. Um, so I feel like somebody needs to say that out loud. Now that I've done it, we can move on. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, look, there's, there's a kernel of truth to these jokes, but I think at the end of the day, it seems it's just the joke. Just yeah, I hear you. We can laugh. I I, under, I understand where you're coming from. I, I do. But do you feel bad for? I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I do you feel a little bit bad for Randall in the in the specific yeah. in this specific sense? I mean, he's got to pay a lot of money, <laughs> so we shouldn't feel too bad for him because he's a very very rich man uh, off of the you know the minutes and the production he's been able to give the Knicks, but like. This is a guy, there have been how many All-NBA seasons in the last 20 years in New York? Chandler had one. Mello had however many he had. Did Amar- Amari made All-NBA that one year, right? So it's been three guys before Julius Rand. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not making yeah, that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's been three guys uh, in the last 20 years who have made All-NBA uh, with the Knicks. And Julius just did it twice in the last three years. And Yet for the majority of that time, basically like he's been the guy that a lot of fans would just sooner have go away and sit on the bench so they could watch this backup. Like that I don't know. I wonder maybe it doesn't get to him at all. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but just felt the need to pose the question. Well, personally, I think I find my I find Julius actually more endearing because of how it has skewed in the, like I, I get why fans would be generally speaking very upset with Julius and the mistakes that he makes but it almost like there are times especially when I'm at the garden and I hear people screaming you bum and, and it's like a lot of focus directed at him and he's not the only one um oh interesting sorry just very quickly Shams is reporting that the Rockets are sending Tai Tai Washington and Usman Garuba to the uh, Hawks. So that'll be something larger in the picture. That feels That's like got to be DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, that would make sense. That's that's that a would, that's that the DeAndre Hunter trade because you're getting cheap talent. Yeah, but yeah, like so again, I I feel for Randall because of how much I think it's often overkill. But I understand why. Oh, unless sorry, fans feel the way they Capella. do. Sorry. I- it could, uh, it could be Capella, honestly, because they want to be pay Okongwu and, and he's eligible for an extension. But uh, yes, I think we can move on to the next one. We can move on. Sorry, I should. I, the, the pre- I feel bad now. I should have laughed at that. It was a joke. It was funny. I just I I, I tend to feel the need to get defensive of Julius Randle in situations like this. But for as much as I was the guy that killed him last year. <laughs> Funny how I could have it both ways. Uh, next up, uh, Ray, what's going on? Ray Marcano. I'm one of the few who thinks this is okay. Does right by Obi, gets assets, clears rotation space for an upgrade. Um, the draft pick secondary to the overall plan. Um, I, I mean, two extra seconds. You got the two, uh, two seconds that went out the door. Actually, what did Brunson cost them? Two seconds or one? One second. Well, it was... It was- it depends. Are you counting the second round picks that went into going into the the trade that got Jalen Duran that you moved Kemba Walker for? Whatever. You get two extra seconds. It, they'll help out. You know, yes. that's all. I'm curious which second round picks they are. I know to many, it'll be their second round pick. So what? I, 
I just would like to wait and see on the surface though. I, this is a paltry deal. Um, very low return on investment at a certain point. You got to sell because it wasn't going to change. We've already rehashed that. Yeah. Thanks, Ray. Good stuff. Juanan, what's going on, man? Um, at 2.14 p.m., Robert Randolph tweeted, Knicks are not trading OB to Indiana. Thanks for the content, fellas. Did he really do that? I guess he did. That's amazing. That, oh, man. <laughs> it's opposite day. Every single time. Who's having a Who's having a, a worse weekend? Uh, Robert Randolph or Masai Ujiri? It's close. Uh, I'd say Robert Randolph because he hasn't gotten one right, but but Um, not easy for either. Thanks, Juanon. Chris Kastner. What's going on, Chris? For all the crap going the front office's way, they did Obi right in this. Yeah, they did. And that matters. It matters to them. And I imagine it might matter around the league. Uh, be happy um, for him and happy. We had a player who made two all NBAs to force this. That's the, that's the thing. And that's and again, that's why I'm. I felt the need to be a little defensive of of Randall here. The whole reason the situation even exists is because Julius Randall forced the issue by being awesome, and he. We should appreciate that. I'm not saying we, you don't. I'm not saying most fans don't. I. It should be appreciated, though. That's all. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Sam, what's going on, Sam? Can we discuss how amazingly the Brunson, Randall, Mitch, and RJ contracts are aging, given what's going on around the league currently? Uh, Jeremy, I'll throw this one to you. Exceptionally well. Yeah. I mean, to think that you have two all NBA caliber at worst, one all NBA proven talent earning less than $30 million that you have Mitchell Robinson on a great contract and it's descending um, that even though RJ's is ascending, you could see what you would hope to be the, the switch flipping in the playoffs, especially as Fred was saying last night where he lost that weight and that that might be able to carry over into next season, assuming he's still here. It's it's great how the Knicks say, we're going to pay you and we care about team control. And at the time, sometimes it might feel like an overpay, but in reality, it isn't. And I'm still very curious as to how Emmanuel quickly negotiations might go, especially when you see someone like Halliburton get close to a quarter of a billion dollars with incentives. Not to say that I expect quickly to cost anywhere near that. It's more just the price goes up. It's expensive. And uh, I would certainly hope that the Knicks afford to pay him. But the, they're, you're absolutely right, Sam. They've been incredible value contracts. Knicks are so well set up. And I I just wonder, as I'm hearing you say that, and I don't know if this was your intention, but the Knicks have gotten those four players to agree to deals that I think at the time all of those deals were signed, we were all like, "They're they're." We said at the time they were pretty good deals, right? And we said we think they're all, they're all good deals now. Like you could argue that all of those players, well, I don't know. Could you argue that all those players like kind of took one for the team? I don't know about that, but like they, it's clear now that those four players are on like reasonable deals. That they, you know, that what 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 Sam is saying would will they. F- how will they treat it if Emmanuel quickly is like, I don't really give a crap what those guys did. I want my five for one twenty five or you know, whatever. I'm not saying he's gonna do that, but I just wonder wonder how that would go over. Um, I'll just also raise my hand here. I thought at the time, a year ago, around this time, um, Mitch got paid too much. I thought sixty uh, he, was a little rich. 
I was, but what worked for me was if it's going to be a descending contract, I can live with it. And then he went to show that 60 was not too much at all. In fact, no. it might've been an underpay and the descending part of it makes it all the better. Yes. The descending, that's why they're not trading them. Uh, and because he's good. Uh, Hamdi, uh, I remember last year telling my daughter not to buy an OB Jersey. Guess what? She bought an OB Jersey. I love OB, but Randall is just a better choice. The draft pick never made sense. Yeah. I, I feel bad saying it never made sense, but like, again, you're taking over if you're Leon Rose and, and look, Leon Rose has done great work since he's come here by and large, but you're taking over a roster of players, which at the time had like it had it, it, it you, you really could start from scratch. So the notion that they got a player to that was, the like again, such a, a, a not even a malleable player. A, a player wasn't malleable given the roster, but also just not a malleable player given the league. Um, was kind of you know it was kind of tough, but I think you know there are reasons why they made that draft pick, and I don't know if they were entirely basketball related. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, um, I'm sorry to Hamdi and someone like Sean, whose son, like Obi's his favorite player. All the parents who have to break the news to their kids that the Knicks don't. I have Obi Top anymore. Uh, that's never easy, especially for kids who don't necessarily understand the nuance and, and all this stuff. They just see their favorite player going away. They're not going to be like, oh, wow, only two second round picks. They're, they're going to be heartbroken one way or another. Thank you for being the human being between the two of us. Uh, equals peace. We have a front office that cannot discern the need to trade a cognitive disabled player. I'm assuming you're referring to Julius Randle. And has undervalued a player that is going to make us all sick with his progress in Indy. Beginning of the end for the front office. I feel like equals peace is not high on this trade. Uh, I would agree. I think also on the concept of which forward was moved, that was probably another thing that that resonated with equals peace. Yeah, yeah. it's just again, you you don't make two All NBA teams by accident. It's really hard to make those, and you do have to be good. It's just, it's not a volume game. Uh, a lot of guys in the NBA that put up a lot of shots and um, don't help out their team. And yeah, so we'll just leave that there. Uh, equals peace with another one. This is an inverse version of the front office miscalculating on Cam and getting worked out of assets. Uh, Cam was way worse than they thought, and it cost us. Obi's way better than they think. Sad day. Look, I, we'll see. We'll see what Obi does in Indiana. We'll see. Maybe he's destined to make all-star team after all-star team. I, I, I would be surprised if his career turned into something different than what I currently envision, obviously, because I'm envisioning one thing and I, you know, that's it. I just have to push back and Obi is way better than they think. It's not that the Knicks don't think Obi Toppin doesn't have the ability to be a better player. Yeah. It's that, as we've talked about, Julius Randle is playing ahead of him. And the Knicks wanted to give Obi the opportunity that he would not have here. And once again, they boxed themselves in and they got a, a bad return for him. I mean, two second round picks is not a worthwhile return. And yet, that would have dropped because there wouldn't have been the opportunity to play him. So it's not that the front office doesn't think Obi is a good player or has the potential to be what we have seen him when Randall isn't playing, which has not been that often, it's that they believe that much more in Julius Randall, who, as John, you just said, you don't luck into two all NBA teams. That's 
That's and, really it. And and if you move, that's the thing. If you moved, let's say you moved Randall and you create an opportunity for Obi, then you're still looking at a team. If you ran out uh, Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Obi, and Mitch, you are looking at a starting five that has only one player who can really pull up. Just one. And that puts a lot of pressure on your offense because now you've got a bunch of guys who are standing around. You've surrounded Brunson with Grimes, who is a fantastic spot shooter, especially in the corner. RJ, who, as we've talked about, has really struggled in that capacity. Obi, who, as a big reason for why he's moved, is because of the fact that he was not able to be the floor spacer the Knicks intended. And Mitchell Robinson, who simply is not a spacer in the slightest. He, can't even get him to shoot from five feet. So you're just constricting your offense in such a way um, that it, it doesn't, it really doesn't help you. You're great in transition, but the Knicks aren't a transition team. In fact, they often have been a slower paced team. And I know a lot of that is based on the fact that Randall plays slowly and OB plays faster. And I totally hear that, but it just, you have to make other changes. So if you wanted to keep OB and you move Randall, that's fine, but you can't just say lock and load. Let's go. You need to then, create other systems in place that complement these players because that starting five, that ain't it. That's not going to elevate your team. And they, that was incredibly well put. And I just want to back you up on what you said at the top. The reason the Knicks are getting such poor return on Obi Toppin isn't because they undervalue him as a player. It's because they think so highly of him as a player. And they, and there are certain people or even just person in the front office who was so unwilling to let go of Obi Toppin because they believed in him so, so, so much that it got to this point where the return is what it is now, um, as opposed to what maybe, maybe could they have gotten something a little bit better at the end of last season when he finished the season averaging whatever he average over the course of the, that time. The, the very real quick thing I do want to say is if you are the here's the argument that I will hear and this is going to push back against what I just said against Julius Randle making the All-NBA teams. If you're if you're um, someone who is like, yeah, Julius Randle made <laughs> made uh, <laughs> Sorry, you just said you're you didn't Did I say it correctly? It, well, it was like a muted one. It was like if you're uh, Okay. Yeah. Sorry, continue. If, if you're you're someone who believes that Julius Randle is 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 good. He's so good. He's just good enough to not win with if he's one of your top two players. I'll hear that argument. I think there's probably some validity to that argument. And if you're someone who's like, why weren't the Knicks forward thinking enough or mature enough or whatever positive word you want to use that they whatever positive quality they did not possess to bite the bullet, recognize the for as talented as he is, recognize his limitations, ship him out the door whenever, take the step back, insert Toppin, who is not a shot creator by any stretch of the imagination, deal with the consequences, um, and then, you know, in hope of taking one step backwards to take two step forwards, assuming, by the way, that you could get a significant return for Randall, which is another variable that we simply don't have never known. We've always assumed we've never known. Um, I would hear all of that to which I say this front office, I don't believe was ever at any point in time going to be like, yeah, we're t totally cool taking a step back. Um, you know, because, you know, we're, we're that, you know, we're, we know we have a, a an endless runway and that's going to sound like a criticism of, of James Dolan or, or Leon Rose. It's not, it's the reality of the NBA. Now, how many, how many endless runways are there? You know, OKC, maybe a couple other cities. You know what those cities have in common? 
No one gives you shit about those teams because they're in the middle of freaking nowhere. If you're a team in New York, and I'm the one who's called for this at different times where it's like, let them do the five plus year rebuild. It's just, don't they? I don't know how realistic that was ever going to be. So I'm not going to sit here and yell and scream that Leon Rose was was so concerned with his job security that he didn't do the obvious, you know, because first of all, it's not obvious. And a lot of times it doesn't work out because a lot of times when you take the step backwards, you don't automatically take two steps forward. You keep taking steps backwards, you know? Um, you know, go talk to a Bulls fan who thought they were doing the right thing by trading Jimmy Butler. How's that worked out for them the last however many years? You know, it's like best laid plans. This stuff is hard. It's complicated. It's intertwined. And and that's it. Okay. Let's keep yeah, going. One, Sorry. Yeah. Very quickly. Um, I think I'm of the point where if you had to choose between Randall and Toppin, Randall's the way to go. That also doesn't mean that th- that's my belief long term, right? Like in this moment right now, don't have an issue with Randall being the guy who wins the quote unquote battle. But in terms of winning the war, so to speak, I would be more than happy to see an opportunity for a better player to come in here and Julius Randall being shipped out. But it doesn't mean that, hey, cool, because Randall's here and Obi's not. That means that Randall's got to be the guy moving forward. I, I, there's, there has to be nuance in terms of one versus the other, but then the other not necessarily going to be a long-term impact here anyway. And just to build off that point, because you just brought it up, to anyone who is like, well, the front office is so um, you know, steeped in it's the CAA of it all, or whatever other reasons you think Ian Ian Bagley, who again in Ian we trust, has been pretty consistent in his reporting this summer that if they could upgrade, like definitively upgrade the Julius Randall spot, they would do it. And thus far, through three years, we have absolutely no evidence that there was ever an opportunity to ship Randall out and get meaningfully better in that trade. So I, I, I would, you know, let's not cast aspersions as to what the Knicks maybe could have done, should have done. Like the opportunity just may not have been there yet. And we'll see what happens if and when the opportunity comes. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.